It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Welcome to the Shark Season Ending Roundtable, featuring Scott Hannon and Mark Smith. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, we are now joined on the Sharks Audio Network by two color analysts for the Sharks Audio Network game broadcast, Scott Hannon and Mark Smith, former Sharks in and of themselves, but of course they have joined me on the dark side with uh, media at this point of their lives and uh, we're not letting him back to the other side. Uh, Scott, Mark, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Hey, Ted, how's it how's it going? Uh, going pretty good on, on my end. Just uh, excited to talk, have a little chat here with, with my old buddy, Hanner. <laughs> yeah, same here. You know, the season ends, but the season never ends for me and Mark. Um, I got my kids playing a little spring hockey. And I, I believe Smitty's in uh, Dallas right now with his, uh, with his girl playing some hockey. So uh, year-round hockey for us. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, I wouldn't think you guys would want to get away from it uh, at this point. Um, you know, Scott, I'll start with you, man. Just 30,000 foot view, 82 games. Your thoughts on the Sharks after taking in the 2021-2022 season? Um, you know, I, I definitely think this year, you know, we talk about transition and obviously we with, with the season and, and the team being so good for so long, you, you know, this year, obviously, there were some struggles with with COVID, with some injuries. Um, you know, as as we'll talk about, you know, injuries to, to some key players. Um, but I think you can just with the Sharks, they're in that little bit period of a rebuild. They need to sort of uh, get their their roster backed up to I think where you know it needs to be to compete at a high level. Um, you know, and when I say high level, you know, you, you've got to be competing for a Stanley Cup every year. And if you look at the playoffs right now and you see these teams and you see these teams and the way they're able to attack at you um, from multiple different lines, the depth that they have. And, you know, I think the Sharks uh, can get there. I think they have some some pressing needs to deal with in the offseason, um, especially this, you know, this offseason with searching for a GM. They have some, you know, some holes to fill and they also need to look at some of the players that are you know on contracts they have some you know aging contracts that you know in some people will say need to be you know dealt with or figure out where where things stand with those players and uh and then refocus get in on a, the draft which is huge and you you know you want to have a gm in place for the draft upcoming you know and then the talent that they have you know if you look at willamette um eckland last year when he came in, there was some talent, you know, he obviously had a, almost made the team out of camp. You know, I know he had his struggles back in Europe this year, but you know, it'll be interesting to see him and how he's focused coming back into camp because with his skill and you saw Thomas Bortolo at the end of the year, you know, I thought Noah Gregor took a step at the end of the year, um, you know, over the course of the season, you could see his improvement and how he's able to separate himself. So, you know, there is some bright spots uh, for the future. And, uh, you know, if, they, if the things all come together, they're able to get some players, some players come back and, you know, either have years that they, that, that they want to have, you know, we have some players that probably, 
had years they they could improve on last year and we had some players that put up some good numbers and if that all comes back next year you know maybe the the sharks can you know you never know we'll get into the playoffs yeah what about you mark 82 games for the first time in a couple of years after covid shortened things and you know we got to take it all in yeah uh you know it's for me it was uh the season ex- exceeded my expectations i would say uh, I, I thought that they made some really good strides within changing the culture of the room and the locker room. I know that was something that was constantly harped on last season. And uh, you could kind of see it on the ice that guys were, were definitely playing for each other a little bit more out there. And, and that was a, a big bright spot for me. Um, obviously, it, Hannah alluded to it kind of with the, the contracts and the back office stuff. Uh, you know, they got some tough decisions and, and uh you know, they they got a, a lot of work to kind of do and, and straighten out, I think, in the back uh, back office era and, and obviously the search for GM. So that's uh, that's going to be front and front and foremost and on everyone's mind. But, uh, you know, some some bright spots for me, obviously, I think uh, James Reimer was a big bright spot. Um, you know, I, I don't think that they were expecting him to do what he did coming in here uh, and, and just really was probably the Sharks most consistent player all year. Um, obviously with the youth, uh, Bortolo kind of seeing, seeing what he could kind of do jumping at the end of the year there, uh, that that's nice to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, they got, they got some work to do to get back, I think, to the place that they want to be, which is, uh, you know, fighting for that, that Holy grail, the, uh, the Stanley cup. So, but, uh, definitely, I think it was, a uh, a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. We, we think of the whole year as a whole and, you know, the, the lack of scoring was obviously an issue. They, you know, they couldn't find the back of the net for a while. And, you know, in the games where they did manage to score a couple of goals, it seemed like oftentimes it just wasn't enough or they couldn't give themselves enough breathing room against some top-level teams. Joe Will, um, you know, didn't really allude to them going out and getting spending big money on somebody um, like a free agent and kind of talked about piecing together the, you know, the 40 goals that they said were the difference between them and the playoffs. Um you know, I guess that that brings into question. You know what what can you expect from Kevin LeBanc next next year, Mark? What what do you realistically expect from even you know youth additions like Bordalo and Eklund if they make the squad? I mean, how hard is it to say, oh, we're forty goals away, and then actually go out and do it? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a lot easier said than done uh, when you're when you're looking for goals. Um, you know, this is a, a tough league and, and guys just don't jump in and, and make an impact very often. I mean, they do. Um, but, you know, they're going to they're going to have to to look to some youth here and, and have some guys kind of step up. Uh, you know, we saw some good things from from guys like uh, Noah Gregor and, and Scott Reedy. Obviously, Gregor struggled uh, a little bit finding the net, but it takes time. Uh, it's, a, it's a different league than the AHL to, to when you're trying to put that puck in the back of the net. And uh, he definitely made some good good strides. Uh, Benino even uh, caught a little bit fire at the end of the year. But uh, for me, one of the bright spots offensively, I think this year was was Bear Bonoff. Um, you know, I, I, I really like the way he plays. Obviously he's a, he's a setup man. He's got a good, good vision. Um, but, but again, he's a guy that you need to pair with someone that has, um, you know, some strong finish skills, uh, and, and some touch around the net. And, uh, there was too, too many stretches where they couldn't find that offense that they were looking for. And, uh, that's going to be a challenge, but again, they're going to have to, 
to rely a little bit more on on some youth and and have some some of these younger guys step up and make a bigger impact next year. Yeah, Scott. In terms of you know them them making up those forty goals or however many goals it'll end up taking next year, is it always like I often look at it and say like, okay, the Sharks are this this year, but because they're not a truly established team, can we say what they will be next year? Because also like when it was 2012, 2011, you know, you go back to the glory days, it's like you knew what the Sharks were going to be from one year to the next. But right now, aside from you know the five core players that I look at in Carlson, Burns, Timo, Hurdle, and Cooch, it's like you, the offensive contributions can kind of fluctuate. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, it's key when you look out over over the league and a lot of the teams that are, you know, where you say, you know, the 2011 and the 2010 sharks where, you know, you can know what to expect. Those teams have been built. And I think it's, it's kind of telling what Joe well said, Joe will says there is he's like, we're going to try and build. Now this may be a year, this may be a couple of year project because all the teams out there that are competing right now in the Stanley cup are built from through the draft homegrown because it's so hard to go out and, you know, buy that 40 goals or buy that key missing ingredient to, you know, make you a Stanley Cup contender. And I mm-hmm. think that's a telling sign. You know, you look at guys, they, they need a guy like William Eklund, uh, you know, to step in and play well. They need guys like Thomas Bortolo to to grow upon what he did at the end of the year as far as just the skill he was showing. They need Noah Gregor to take that next step. They, you know, he was starting to, and I think one of the key points was he was starting to create space for himself. He was starting to create space for other players. As Mark alluded to with Barabanov, Barabanov did that for that line of Timo Meyer and Thomas Hurdle. You noticed when he wasn't out there, the way his skating, his edge work, his tenacity in the corners, he was able to buy those few extra seconds for his teammates to get open, to grab a little bit more space for themselves so that the defenses can't lock on it, you know, a little bit quicker. So those are key ways to create offense. Now is, is uh, Noah Gregor going to be able to go out and and score at a high clip next year? Well, we don't know. He's going to have to put in a lot of work in the off season. He's going to have to improve his shot and learn how to score at the NHL level. It's not easy. Like Mark said, it's not easy to come in and score goals at this level and be consistent, but they need consistency throughout the lineup because that's the key. You can't rely. If you look at the hot streaks, it was when Timo Meyer with Thomas and, and, you know, when they were scoring hurdle at, at high clips, but when they went on those little, you know, kind of slumps that every big player does in this league, there was not a lot of offense to back that up. And that's yeah. a problem. And that's something that they're need to, they're going to need to fill those gaps and they're going to need to get it from their youth and their guys that are coming up. I like the way Reedy played as well. They need guys to be hard in front of the net, score goals that can be on a more consistent nature. You know, where when you're scoring dirty goals in front of the net, you know, you look at, you look at the playoffs right now, you look at the way, you know, Pat Pavelski scored his goals and, and how Dallas is doing it there. Like, I mean, that's a, a key way. And they miss those type of goals here in San Jose. You know, Scott, you know, a thing or two about the the blue line, obviously. And, you know, the Sharks have some big name guys at that position and Carlson and Burns and Vlasic. And, you know, obviously we look at Burns and Carlson and being more offensively minded. Um, you know, how, how much management has to be taken into account of Carlson noting that he hasn't played a full season since uh, 2017, I believe. Um, you know, he, when he was acquired by the Sharks in 2018, he was good until the All-Star break, and they had a nagging groin injury. And then, 
you know, he's had injuries every every year since. I, I guess the shortened 2021 season, he was there for most of the 56, if not all. But, I mean, he's he's been fraught with injury since he's been a Shark. And, you know, and I think if you're looking at that, you know, sometimes you can equate that to luck. I mean, guys go through, you know, injury-riddled seasons and, you know, or a, a, a section of their career and they're able to get through on the other side of that and, and you don't notice anything from that. And that's where you hope as, you know, a Sharks fan, Sharks management, that's where you hope Eric Carlson's at, where maybe he can get through on the other side of this and we don't have these injury problems because it's concerning. When you have a player that can make such a difference on your team, um, you know, offensively, when you look at offense this in this game, it's about breaking the puck out of your own end through the neutral zone and, you know, that first 10 feet inside the blue line. You know, you got to play quick, you got to play fast, and you got to make plays in those areas to be scoring at a high clip. You know, again, I hate to go back to you look at the playoffs, but look at the Colorado's team. They attack, 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 and they're always on top of you. Um, and that's the the type of offense, you know, uh, that seems to be scoring here in the NHL right now. And Eric Carlson's a big part of that for this team. That's what they need him to be, you know, somebody that can create offense like that. So he's he's got a big summer ahead of him. He's got to, you know, come in and, in hopefully the best shape of his life and be ready at the beginning of the year to play a full 82 games because the Sharks are going to need that from a guy like that. Mark, would you rather have Carlson sit a little bit more to make him more effective on the power play and not have him be part of the PK? I don't. I don't think necessarily that's the 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 plan of attack. Um, like when he's out there on the power play, he is effective, right? Uh, but again, Carlson is he's a setup guy. Like he's his passing is unrivaled in the NHL. There, there's no one that can see the ice like him, create space, uh, and. and execute uh, consistently on some unbelievable passes but again he needs that goal score that natural goal score uh to connect with on the power play and and that's something that that they're kind of missing you know timo timo definitely made great strides this year um but is he that 40 goal score 45 you know even 50 goal score that that carlson needs to to be able to, to fuel those, um, mm -hmm. you know, that offense. So yeah, that's, that's a tough question. Um, I, I don't think that he looked, uh, you know, tired or anything like that during, during power plays and, and reducing his penalty kill time uh, would, would uh, benefit that. But at, at the same point, at the same time, you got to look at his injuries, right. Which, which are obviously a, a concern. Um, you know, you're, you have a lot of money wrapped up in someone you, you want them on the ice as much as possible. So that's something that, that the sharks are going to have to take a, a hard look at here and, and try to find an answer for. What about Brent Burns, Mark? Cause he is 37 years old. He's a fitness freak, obviously, but at the same time, um, you know, he's got his Ironman streak going and he chews up a lot of minutes. Would you, would you think about reducing the time load on him as his time on the ice? Now, Bernsey, I think, is is a special case. I actually think Bernsey plays better when he's on the ice more and logs a lot of minutes. Obviously, uh, he plays tough minutes, but uh, he, he's in unbelievable shape. The, the mm -hmm. man is uh, a, <laughs> a serious, serious uh, testament to fitness, um, and, but he works hard at it. And, uh, you know, but again, a concern is, yeah, 37 years old, you know, he's getting a, he's getting up there. 
obviously not the spring chicken that uh, we all wish he was, but uh, still playing effective minutes. And, uh, you know, I think, I think you still got to lean on him. Well, while they find uh, a, a little bit more uh, stability in their supporting cast around him. Yeah. He's the only uh, guy in the NHL. I think I heard say that they were excited to get into the squat rack now that the season had ended. Um, <laughs> do you agree with Mark's take, Scott? Uh, do you think that he's just kind of one of those guys who can in, can eat it up? Yeah, I mean, in having played with him, uh, being his D partner and, and working out with him a lot in the summer, he, he's, a, he's a special person. He's a freak of nature. I mean, he's a, he's a big man. He's got, you know, it's just his physical capabilities. You just look at some people just have a, a body that they know they can withstand the punishment and the rigors that, you know, the NHL can throw at you. He's one of them. Um, but I think a key telling point too as well is, and this is not, a, a, you know, a cut at, at the rest of the D, but I think in some way they would have liked to have reduced Eric Carlson's minutes a little bit, Brent Burns' minutes a little bit. But it was the matter of we talked about breaking the puck out. We talked about that that next level. That was an issue for the Sharks this year. Mm-hmm. When the Sharks didn't have those guys, one of those guys in the lineup, Eric Carlson or Brent Burns on the ice, they struggled sometimes getting the puck out of their end. And you know that's something that I think that the management's going to be looking at here in the in the off season. You know, the best defense is creating good offense right now in the NHL. It's about getting the puck out of your zone. And even, a, you know, you can even have a few turnovers here and there to get to that if you look at that. But the guys that can, you know, break out on a high efficiency through the middle of the ice are going to spend more time in the offensive zone. And I think that's something that the Sharks really have to look at in the summer to take that next step next year. They've got to learn. They've got to find a way to create more offense. And that's from guys scoring on the offensive side of things, young guys, young forwards. You know, you can't rely on one or two guys. You look at teams around here I, I couldn't believe in looking at the stats when I was sitting up in the press box you got Calgary um you know they had a line of 40 goal scorers yeah um you know and I don't know the last time that I've seen that you know one line you know uh, uh it was uh Goudreau Kachuk and Lindholm had 40 goals each I think um Goudreau got it in the last two games of the year you look at you know St. Louis how they, what was it 90 or 9 20 goal scorers um you know, in Edmonton, they had, you know, after, you know, I know this one's going to hurt, but picking up Kane, look, you look at the amount of goals he scored in a short clip. I think he was almost a goal every second game. So he was at 20 goals in 40 games. You have all that. So it's just that amount of goals. You look at, you know, Colorado's lineup and the amount of goals that they had there. That's something that the Sharks need to address. They need to find who those guys. It's the consistency, but you need depth in that scoring as well. I do want to back you up, Scott, because the real question is, do you, do you still work out with Brent Burns in the summer? Yeah, sometimes. I, I find my <laughs> way down there. You know, we, we, I was just talking with him the other day. We're, our kids both have a tournament up in Seattle in two weeks, so uh, he's bugging me to bring a bike up there and go riding with him. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that that level anymore. But, but not the squat rack. No, hey, I still have my squat rack at home here, so I still work out every day. So I'm not sure I'm throwing around the weight any more than he is, but I, I can hold my own. Good deal. Good deal. Um, now, Mark Edward Vlasic is the other one that people are talking about. And I feel like there has been a, a ganging up uh, on Vlasic in um, just the shark circles lately. And I actually think it's it's a couple of things. People don't always understand his assignments. Um, but it's also that his ice time is reduced compared to what it was. He's not 
the Mark Edward Vlasic that he was. But at the at the same time, you know, he he wasn't great the first half of the season. I thought the second half he was a lot better. The other thing in the second half, and I'll I'll, I'll let you start here, Mark, is that he started shooting again, which he really didn't until after the All Star break. Yeah, and that's a that's a, a big positive for for Mark Edward Vlasic getting the getting the puck, and you know we saw him chipping for a couple goals here down the stretch a little bit, and I'd have to agree with you. I think his his first half wasn't. Uh, wasn't the best hockey he's played obviously second pa- uh second half he he did pick it up and uh but you know he's another guy that's uh you know i think vlasic is the last last remaining shark that i i played with so you know now we're rewinding the the clock a little bit um you know he's been around and he he's getting up there too so uh aging aging bodies and and the speed that the game is played at these uh, today um, they don't complement each other that well. So uh, it's going to be tough to, to see what the Sharks kind of do with, with Vlasic and, and a couple of the other older guys. But, uh, you know, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to leave that one up to the, uh, to the future GM of the Sharks to, to make, uh, make decisions around uh, Vlasic. Yeah, I mean, Scott, where, what did you see in terms of the first half of the season versus the second half of the season for Vlasic? Because it's easy, obviously, to focus on the goals that he scored, but more to the point, he was more active and involved in looking like the defenseman that we know he's capable of in terms of shutting down guys. It seemed like he invited physicality more. It seemed like he was just kind of more the Mark Edward Vlasic that we expect him to be. Yeah, You know what? I think you're right, Ted. I think in the last half of the season, you started to, to see a, a more engaged Vlasic. Um, my, my interesting, you know, where I'm looking to see from him is the beginning of next year. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that because it's a big summer for Vlasic. You know, I, you know, having myself when I was 35, when that was, you know, my last year, the year before, it's a big summer for him. I remember that I, I, like I committed to that side of things as far as working out. I think I was in the best shape of my life when we talk about it. I lift, I was lifting the most. And I think that that's going to be crucial for a guy like Vlasic. He has something to prove this year. Mm-hmm. He has something to prove that he needs to come back and not be given minutes, but demand minutes from the way he's playing. You know, he needs to be physical. He needs to be a leader. He needs to, to shoot the puck. He needs to, he needs to get better. Every time, because, you know, if, if it's going to be the same thing as uh, started next year, I think it's going to be a rough year for him. And when you talk about criticism, I think that, you know, when, when you make the type of money some of the players do on the Sharks, you invite that criticism, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's on you and it's it, it, that to be able to be that player that, you know, when you make that, there's kind of a target on your back when you, when you make that type of money. And, you know, you see some... That's a, that's going to be a telltale sign for the beginning of the year. Next year is the big thing that I want to see from from Vlasic when he comes out and how ready he is and how how big of a summer he had this year as far as working out and being ready at the start. Yeah, um, you know the you know obviously the big names, the core guys with the Sharks. Um, I talk about the offenses, Cooch and Timo and Hurdle. Mark, you know you look at what Mister Hurdle's been able to do when he's healthy. Um, I feel like when 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 Tomas Hurdle's healthy, when he's not dealing with anything pertaining to his knee, I feel like he's he's still getting better, which is crazy because it feels like he's been with the Sharks forever, even though it hasn't. He was just so you know ridiculously young when he joined the team. But you know, l- watching him on the ice last year, I still feel like there were aspects of his game that 
he didn't have the previous year that he's still evolving as a player. I mean, at, at some point that evolution has to end, right? Or does he have the, the body style where he can, where he's still improving in his game? Yeah. And you know, you look at hurdle and you know, a lot of the offense that, that he, uh, that he provides is, is done through, um, you know, kind of all around the net and like, pulling the puck off the wall uh, you know, those power moves from behind the net uh, and he's so good at that. Um, but when he, when he doesn't have that going, it, it's quite noticeable. And, mm-hmm. and hurdle is, is a, to me, a, a hot and cold player. Um, you know, sometimes when he's not feeling it uh, he's noticeable out there that, and not getting it done. Um, and they need hurdle to be consistent. Uh, you know, second, second on the team in points this year, th- end up with 30 goals. That's, that's a great year for hurdle, but you know, they're, they were trying to rely on hurdle to be that top line centerman. Um, and that's, 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 that's tough. You know, I think hurdle might benefit more being in a, maybe a second line center position, uh, and not having so much pressure on him to, to light the lamp. Mm-hmm. but there's there's stretches for hurdle where he is absolutely dynamic and takes control of the game um they just need it need that more on a con- consistent basis i think and um that's hard to do obviously uh you know you're he's a he's a big guy carries a lot of weight around um and it's hard to to feel good and and be light in such a fast league uh when you're when you're doing that for 82 games so well- Mark, I'll just come back at you with this. I mean, couldn't obviously very different style of players, but couldn't we say a lot of that about Timo Meyer as well as just the very hot and cold nature to his game? Yeah, definitely. And and like for me, Meyer is, you know, you can almost look at Meyer as as being very similar to Hurdle. Hurdle was uh, you know, except for a couple of years behind him, you know, just a, a little bit younger. Um, but for me, I think Timo has a little bit more natural goal scoring abilities, I think, yeah. than, than hurdle uh, a little bit more finesse. Uh, but again, they, they play a very similar style of game. And when that game is, is on and things are clicking, it's great. And they, and they get on rolls and they can t- continue to do that for, for 10, 15 games. But when things start to slide and I don't know if it's, it's mental. I mean, it's, <laughs> Mental, uh, mental parts of this game weighs a lot on, on how you, uh, you know, produce on the ice. And, you know, that's, that's something that needs to be learned. Um, I think they've gotten a lot better at it, but again, you still saw stretches this, uh, this season where they didn't quite have it. And and there was a long stretch of, you know, not producing the, the way they wanted to, but, uh, you know, I'll throw it over to Hanner to see if he has uh, some more insight on this. I'm, I'm sure he does. You know, I, I think it's interesting, all, all the points that you guys make, and I think the mental side of it, I think well, it's key because you look at a guy like Hurdle and playing with Hurdle and, and knowing Hurdle, he cares a lot. And, and the biggest thing is that sometimes he puts too much pressure on himself to score because when he wasn't, the Sharks weren't doing very well. Now that's a lot of pressure on anybody. And there's not many guys that have consistency, you know, or don't go through slumps throughout the year. You know, yeah, there's good goaltendings, you know, shooting percentages, not too many people can dominate from game one to 82. And that's where I really think 
It's about depth throughout the lineup. Again, we have, you have to have more consistency, consistency in scoring when hurdle and Timo are being faced with the top assignment defensively every night, the top pairing every night, because there wasn't really anybody else consistently. I loved Cooch. I love Cooch, but he had such inconsistency with his line pairings. They were throwing him with every young guy that came up with everything. And, and that's a big jump to be coming out of the minors and jumping right into a, a second line situation and expected to put up offense. That's again, where I go back. I think they need to find those depth scoring. They need those Noah Gregors, Thomas Bortolo, the Ecklins, the, you know, they need to find, and this is going to be extremely difficult. You hope to have one guy jump in and, and put up some numbers. And really for the Sharks to have a good year next year, they're going to need to find four or five guys that take that next step. They are need to going to find, you know, 10 and 15 goals from a number of those guys. And I think that that's going to be a stretch. And I think if they go into another year where all the pressure on scoring is on Eric Carlson being healthy, Brent Burns, you know, being back and shooting the puck and Timo and Thomas and, and Logan and Barabanov, I think the Sharks could struggle again next year. Well, that, that kind of brings me to my next question is that we love that hurdle Meyer Barabanov line but I feel like sometimes you can get fooled when something looks good on a bad team and not, not that the sharks are particularly bad. They just weren't that good. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was a good line. I think that you can, you can look around the league and anybody would, would, would want 30 goals on their line, you know, 35 goals on their team. Um, you know, hurdle, I thought at times tried to do too much and didn't shoot enough. You know, he tried to, he tried to overplay. He didn't keep the game simple because again, he felt like he needed to score every night. Timo shot a lot of pucks. He was physical and he's more of a power forward, um, you know, and, and they get given a lot of the offensive opportunities to score. But if we could spread that scoring out, even, you know, have those guys score 25 goals, but have scoring spread out across the, you know, your, your lineup. And, you know, you have that sort of consistency. Uh, you know, I think if you look at the lines and the teams around the league, that's, that's what, that's where, you know, you can get the consistency from. If you're relying on, you know, singular players or singular lines to score all your goals for you, it's not a recipe for success in, in the, in the NHL right now. Yeah. Mark, would you spread the, the love around with those guys or, or do you keep the pairing together and hope to fill holes elsewhere? Yeah. Well, I think you gotta, you gotta keep them together because they're the only thing that's really pr producing offense for you. You, you can't, you can't split them up because they try to split them up. They try to inject guys into those top two lines and they, you know, they, they came in and they, I, I wouldn't say they struggled, but they didn't make a, an immediate impact. And I think Hanner hit it on the, the nail on the head, you know, like you can't ask Couture to constantly putting up good numbers when he's playing with different line mates every night, you know, there's just, you can't do that in this league. You need to build chemistry with the guys that you're playing with. And I think moving guys in and out of those top two lines so much, it was that hurt the sharks, obviously, you know, they Dolan was up there for, for most of the start of the season. He did good, but you know, he, he definitely um, tailed off and, uh, you know, and then they put guys in there like bolsters, Gregor, Benino, you know, these are, these are, they're solid players, but, when they're playing on your second line, that might indicate a bigger problem mm -hmm. with your organization. So, you know, I think they need to find a supporting cast for Couture uh, for sure. 
should, should they have figured out the Benino move to the wing sooner? Like, I don't, like, I understand, like, the whole idea in the offseason was, like, find your third-line center, go out and get Nick Benino, and it, it made sense, but then, you know, he didn't score, and you put him at the wing, and suddenly he's scoring goals, or was that, was were those goals eventually going to come for Benino in one way or another? Um, you know, I, I think it was more of a combination of at the end of the year, you know, a lot of things that happen at the end of the year, I think you need to take with a grain of salt. The team yeah. was pretty much out of the playoffs. They were trying different things. Um, you know, teams are in a different structure coming in to play against you. Now, I think obviously they were trying guys at that third line center, Bortolo, um, you know, that I think that I, I was actually pleasantly surprised. I didn't know what to expect, but when he jumped in, I really liked that line of Noah Gregor, him and Balsers. Mm-hmm. You know, it was such a small sample size. But again, when you look at the the, the little um, chemistry that they started to show, especially from somebody like Balsers, who I didn't really feel ever had a good connection with somebody. There was a, it was like you know he played. I like the way he plays fast, but it just never seemed to click. And it, that line at the end of the year, again in a small sample size. I thought clicked well. I thought Noah Gregor, who was starting to use his speed to his advantage more often, um, creating space. And he's got a, a nice release of a shot. He's It's quick. It's hard. Now, it, it, again, scoring at the NHL level is a lot different. And, you know, he's going to need to even improve upon that. But that's a situation where, you know, you throw in, if that line is able to produce something on a third line level, and then you start throwing it in Eklund, he comes back. And I again, I reiterate that he had struggles in Europe this year. But what we saw from him last year when he almost made the team and them sending back, you know, he's a setup guy as well. I don't believe he's going to be a big goal scorer. I saw him create space for other players. But there's a guy that can fit into your top six. You, you play him with maybe, you know, Cooch, and then you stick that, keep that top line together. And then there's, you know, one other fit that you've got to get up there. Now, I think Noah Gregor could have the p- potential mm-hmm. to move up, but I like that third line. And then you're starting to mix and match, and then there's some, some options. I think that's, there's some weaknesses on defense. I think that they're going to need to, to fix some things back there as far as puck moving. You know, I like the physical, I like the physical capabilities. I like the way Magna, you know, uh, you know, plays and, and Malosh. I like that physicality. But then if you start looking at, you know, combining puck moving with that, you need to break the puck out of your zone. I can't say that enough. Coming out through the middle, when the Sharks struggled, they couldn't get out of their own end, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's going to be crucial. And then it's also creating speed through the neutral zone by coming through the middle, attacking through the middle of the ice. I think that's going to be a crucial thing that they're going to need to, to do because when they were able to do that, they were able to create some offense and play a lot better. But consistency and offense is all about starting from your own end, and I think that that's a big area that they're going to need to improve on. Mark, just touching on William Eklund as someone we expect to you know, be a contributor next year. I mean, I don't expect him to be a star, but I felt like the thing about him and with Bordalo in particular, compared to a lot of the other younger players that I saw come up with the Sharks or just watching around the league, is both Eklund and Bordalo receive the puck in very good positions and they're ready to move the puck with conviction. And does that, because I, I know Eklund, he was on a bad team, which, you know, they they say you should probably take into consideration. And, you know, my my European and, and Jugard knowledge is not as deep as it probably should be. But, you know, I feel like, by the eye tests with, with an Eklund and a Bordalo, like I felt encouraged by what I saw at the very least. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely encouraging to see guys like Bordalo come in and, and make an impact. Uh, you know, with Eklund, it's, it's going to be interesting because 
you know, he's not a big body. Um, and he's a guy that's going to have to play on one of those top lines. He, you know, is he really going to be effective if he's on the third or fourth line? Uh, you know, you, you want more of a, a grinding type style player, maybe on those lines, wearing other teams down. And that's a, that's a tough role for a small guy to, to come in the NHL and play. So if he's not producing on those top lines, you know, that's, it's hard to kind of find him a spot in the rest of the lineup. And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, we all wish that he comes in and he's uh, starts lighting the lamp from day one and, and is the answer to all of our problems. But uh, you know, that's uh, you know, looking through the world with rose colored glasses really. And, and to put the amount of pressure on a rookie to kind of do that. And, you know, they, all, they tried that with Dolan too. And, and, yeah. and we saw, you know, exactly. He came in, he, he played well at the start and he, and he was, he was putting pucks in, but you know, you hit that, you hit that 30 game mark in the NHL and it's a taxing league. And these younger guys, they don't, they don't realize how hard it is to, to play and keep that that level of fitness and physicality up for 82 games it wears on a guy and and not only that mentally um but you know just looking at other guys you know like scott reedy shmolevsky uh you know these I, I was happy with what i saw these guys come in uh and and played some really good things did some really good things uh, late in the year you know, if those guys can kind of round out the the bottom half of your lineup, you know, that's that's going to take some some pressure off the top guys a little bit. And uh, maybe they can chip in more offensively. But, uh, you know, it, if we all had a crystal ball, we, we <laughs> know the answers. But uh, again, they're going to we're going to look in, and probably have to to see some, uh, you know, hurdles in, in front of the in front of the way here a little bit. Scott, what about Ryan Merkley? Because you talk about, you know, the breakout and how that's something that needs to improve. And I thought that there were some games where he played with great confidence and other times he looked exceptionally tentative and would kind of, he would retreat when he was met at the blue line. And I was thinking like, no, you had it, man. You just, he, he would slow his momentum. It was very, I mean, I guess that's, that's youth and inexperience, right? Yeah. Um, uh, that's a, that's a big part of what it, it's not an easy um, game to come in and, and be an offensive minded defenseman. I, you know, I touched on, it's a big summer for, for Vlasic this year. And I, and I think it's another big summer for a guy like Ryan Merkley. I think it's a situation where physically, I think something that could set him apart, he's got the skill he's got, he's got that, that, that side of things. And you, you saw that in, in certain games, his ability to create space for himself at the blue line. But, you know, I think the, I, the idea, I, 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 don't particularly think he has a big shot and that's something that can change because you can score a lot in junior by floating pucks into the, into the net or you, you know, you, those little wristers, but you've got to snap the thing. Now you, mm -hmm. you look at the guys nowadays, you've got to have that puck moving. Um, it's, it's a, it's a lot different to put up points at the NHL level. I think his quickness needs to be there. His strength needs to be there. And that that's something you, you learn. And, and Mark touched on it again. You, you realize the rigors of the NHL, but you also realize how much stronger these guys are. Um, you know, the physical taxing that it takes to battle guys in the corner, to, to pop off, to create that space. He needs to get stronger. He needs his first three steps need to get faster. He needs to get his top end faster. He needs to have a shot that's harder. 
Um, and those are the things that, that they're going to need from a guy like that, because from an offensive style defenseman is what we're, we're, we're talked about. Um, I thought he disappeared in games, especially when we started to play top end teams. He had some really good games against some lower talented teams at the end of the year, um, Arizona. Um, he had some big games where he started making plays, but again, a lot of those teams, you know, Anaheim and Arizona weren't playing with pretty full lineups at the end of the year either. You know, they were playing with a lot of guys coming out of the minors, but when you stepped in against, you know, the St. Louis's when they were battling for the playoffs, I think that that's where you, you started to see him, his minutes got taken back and everything like that. So it's a big summer for him. He needs to, to come in focused and prove to everybody that, you know, he wants to be an NHL player and to be an 82 game NHL player, because that's a lot different than being a 20 game NHL player. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at Dolan, it's, it's a big summer for Dolan. I think he got hampered by that injury that he got right around Christmas. You know, uh, you know, the, the shoulder injury, I think really, you could see when he came back, the strength and the shot. I love the way the kid battles. I love the, his, his smarts. Um, he's not a particularly fast guy, but, um, I love the way he gets into it and seems like he's, he, he goes to the right areas to score and he's got a head on his shoulders. Uh, you know, and I wouldn't want to hold him back for speed because I think we did that to one guy here and he seemed to turn out to be a pretty good player. So, you know, Pavelski always got bothered about his speed. I I'm not saying he's Pavelski, but what I do like is the way his head is. Mark touched on Shemolevsky. Shemolevsky, I think he, he made some plays during the course of the year. You could tell he, he, he's got a head too. He, he thinks the game. He was able to create some space. I, I felt like he was on the right side of the puck a lot in through the neutral zone. He was able to come on top of the center. And we talk about those types of little things. There's guys that, you know, if they're not producing, they're still doing stuff for you on the ice. And that's a guy that fitting into those third lines, I started to see him play up with, uh, you know, Couture. And I thought he started to create more. So there's a guy I'm interested in seeing, you know, his summer and what he does next year. Can he start producing on the offensive side of things. And if he does, I think that that there's a guy that could be a, you know, a little sneaky, sneaky 10 to 15 goal scorer for him next year. He had some opportunities. He wasn't bearing on him, but again, getting the opportunities. And that's the guy I'll be looking at next year. Cause they're going to need that, you know, for the sharks to, to come out of this thing on the other side, they're going to need a guy like Eklund to come in and produce big numbers. And that's a lot to ask. But if I look at the way he does, you don't see oftentimes a 19 year old be able to man a power play off the side which yeah. is what he was doing. And he was creating scoring opportunities. I believe that if guys could bury at the scoring opportunities that he gave him, he would have been our leading scorer after nine games. <laughs> and I don't think that that's a stretch. Um, you know, he created spaces for hurdle. He created spaces that surprise guys with the plays he made. And um, I think that there's a chance that he could come in and produce at a pretty high clip for, for the sharks. And again, they're going to need that. Like Mark said, it's rose colored glasses, but you know, sometimes I feel like I, I need to look at them through that, especially after a year the Sharks had and, and struggled to put the puck in the net. You're trying to find ways and avenues which they can do it. And there's a few. I think it's a lot to ask. I think I, I wouldn't put it on a high percentage that it's going to happen that way in the, in the amount that they're going to need to to become a, a, a good, consistent playoff team next year. Things could, you know, I like what Smitty said about Reimer. I thought he was a, a, a big reason why the Sharks did that good. And I hope that that doesn't fool people because I think the year that Reimer had was pretty special. Mm -hmm. I was surprised that, you know, there wasn't more action of the trade deadline looking for a guy like that because I thought for the way he played this year, he was a big reason the Sharks had the record that they had. And that's where you, you got to be wary too because if, you know, he played some – 
really, really good hockey down the stretch and, and when the Sharks were winning. And he kept them in some tight games that allowed them to win games, you know, and and that and that would worry me if if, if next year, you know, uh, the goaltending isn't as high and they get the points but are still in the same situation. Well, yeah, I mean, to the to the goalie talk in Reimer, I thought that a lot of the reasons that Reimer was able to play so well, not to take anything away from him, is that Bob Bugner put the Sharks in a good position to be in a lot of tight games. That said, I might be a Bob Bugner apologist, but my my view all year long, Mark, was that you know the the Sharks didn't have a lot, and Bob Bugner did the most with what he had. And I'm not trying to speak ill of anybody out there. It's just there was a lot of young and inexperienced guys out there. It, it is there more Bob Bugner can do to generate more offense next year, or were the Sharks a victim of just hitting the post and missing open nets, and they they were in a good situation. It just didn't they didn't produce. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I thought Bugner actually did pretty good uh, with, with the, the cards he was dealt this year. Um, you know, obviously injuries and, and setbacks all come into play. Um, but again, I'm, I'm going to kind of go back to, to what we were talked about with Couture. You know, I think there needs to be a little bit more consistency throughout the lineup. And, and I think he needs to allow guys to, to find a little bit more ke- uh, chemistry together. Um, I think changing the lines uh, on, a, on a nightly basis, uh, maybe played against them a little bit on, at, at, towards the end of the year. And, um, you know, you could see teams that, that were, you know, trending upward towards the, the halfway point those were teams that had a lot of uh, set lines and, and um, consistency throughout. Um, again, it's, you know, you're, you're, you work with what you have. Right. Yeah. And um, that's, that's tough when, when you got guys that are, are kind of coming in, maybe not playing their best. Uh, you do, you start moving things around and shuffling things around. And uh, you know, that was unfortunate for, for Boogner to kind of fall into that, but at the end of the day, I think he did really good. Uh, he did a really good job changing the culture in that dressing room. And I think that was one of the, the big things that challenges that he faced last year was just not having that, um, you know, the, the camaraderie within inside that dressing room and guys wanting to play for each other. And, and you did see a, a, a giant improvement in that. And, and I'm going to tip my hat to Bob Bugner for, for being the, uh, the, the, the rallying call to, to get these guys on the same page. And I think he did a great job there. So you got to tip your hat to him, but, uh, yeah, it's tough. And, and we'll see here next, next little bit, uh, what, what, what transpires and, and, uh, hopefully he can get things together and, and write this ship uh, a little bit closer to the start of the, the season next year. Yeah, Scott, I thought one of the good things about Bob Bugner is his experience, um, you know, owning a team and working with young players, I, I thought that was beneficial to the Sharks in their position they were this year because he kind of he knew when to lean on guys, but you also saw him at times with the young players after they'd you know done a good play, the camera would catch him leaning over somebody's shoulder, saying something to them, giving them a pat on the back. Like he clearly knows how to work with the development of a younger player. Yeah, and then that's gonna be to be key. I mean, they had a lot of young guys in the lineup this year they had a lot of you know guys with their first nhl experience and 
that's tough for a coach. You know, we talk about, you know, finding consistency in, in your lines. Well, you know, having consistent players they had with injuries, with COVID, with, you know, any number of situations, Bob Buchner, I think had, you know, he was trying to put together a puzzle at the, you know, sometimes to, to create a lineup and, you know, with a lot of different faces, with a lot of different guys with, uh, you know, next to no NHL experience, it's hard to know where to plug them all in. And that's going to take some time. You know, it's easy if you're plugging in one guy because of one injury. Well, that's where he's going. And then usually you start out on the third and fourth lines, prove yourself to work yourself up into the top, you know, two. And then, you know, whereas a situation where you were plugging playing guys right out of the minors into your in your top six forwards. And that's not an ideal situation for a coach. And it's not an ideal situation even for the player, because that's a lot of pressure to be able to produce, um, you know, instant instantly coming out of the minors. And, and I think that, you know, in, in ways, Bob Bugner did the, the best with what he was uh, with the cards he was dealt over the course of injuries and and COVID and, you know, everything that the, the league had to deal with this year and also, you know, the Sharks in particular. Last one, guys. Scott, GM, what do you prioritize for the man who will be coming in um, as the replacement for for Doug? Obviously, a very, very high bar to clear. Yeah, obviously, you know, it, it was, you know, with Doug, he, he'd been here for so long and he'd been such a big part of, you know, my NHL career and, and to hear him going through the health struggles and to eventually step down. Obviously, you know, he, he's going to be a... a he's the he's the guy that put really the gm that put the sharks on the map he's been here for so long the consistency they showed underneath him and i you know i think for the next gm that steps in you know you know if it was up to me i'd want to know you know what's the long-term plan you know the sharks have some as we talked about in this interview they have some you know some i'm not going to say glaring issues but if you look out my law my goal would be always to compete for the stanley cup and that sometimes is a tiny bit different from competing to get in the playoffs as, as the, you know, Daryl Sutter, I, I love his quotes this year. You know, if, if you're, if you're looking at a wild card spot, it's a waste of eight days um, playing against the Colorado avalanche. <laughs> um, and so you got to find ways to beat that team. And I think, you know, when the sharks, I was part of the sharks in Oh four, when we went to the Western conference finals and played Calgary. And, and one of our, our teams that was a benchmark was Colorado. You know, they were so good for so long um, and we had to find a way to beat that team to take that next step. It's funny that Colorado now, you know, 20 years after, you know, those their, their time, they're back right there. And so the game plan would be, how do you beat that team? How do you beat the, the, the Florida Panthers? But in the West, especially, you're looking at Calgary, you're looking at Colorado and you got to look at how you get those teams. And that's a high bar. There's a, they've got some talented players. They've got youth. They're young. Um, they're looking to be good for a long time. And I would like to see the GM, what his plan is to compete with those teams and, and, and where that, where that takes you. Cause if, if the job is to get into the playoffs and, and see what happens, I think that that's a, that can be a tough road because I, I can think you're not going to get the draft picks you need. You look at those teams and they got some high draft picks. You look at the way they're built. Um, McCarr, McKinnon, I know Rantanen, and, you know, the top players that Colorado has. And if you look at Goudreau, Kachuk, you know, Lindholm, uh, you know, and, and the players that they have there and how they're built, I think that that's a telltale sign. And it's going to be a tough job for a GM. And there, it's it's a high bar, obviously, to follow a guy like Doug Wilson. But, uh, you know, that all, that all being said, I don't think it's impossible. And I think, you know, I, I'm excited to see where, where this goes this summer for the Sharks, I think, is a huge one. 
I, w- I will point out, Scott, I, I think those abs teams that you referenced 20 years ago, they, I, th- I think they had a pretty good goalie. I, I can't remember. I may have blocked it out of my memory. Yeah, pretty good goalie. <laughs> Joe Sackick, Forsberg, Patrick Waugh, Lake. Yeah, they had some pretty good players on pretty that. Pretty good, yeah. <laughs> Mark, uh, what about you, man? I mean, you, you, you've seen what Doug Wilson was able to do for so long, and you know the only thing you can hold against him was that the Sharks didn't lift the cup, which is – I mean, that's sports. You can do everything right and still come out with the wrong answer. And I'm not absolving Doug of everything because he, he wasn't perfect. Nobody was, but he put together a team that was one of the benchmark teams for success in North American sports. He did, uh, you know, and he, and he got the, the boys right there and uh, unfortunately met a hot Pittsburgh team at, uh, you know, and, and just fell short. And unfortunately that, um, that didn't happen. And, and that's the, you know, that's the ultimate quest for, for any player and GM, you know, you want to, as a GM, you want to, to, to put guys together and, and produce a winning team and, and find that end goal Um, for the, for the next guy coming in. um, You know, I, I'm not one to, to really look at numbers and and contracts too much, but uh, there are a lot of contracts with some high numbers on them um, and some no move, clauses in there as well so uh, I'm not gonna lie I think it's gonna be challenging uh, for for the next guy to come in here uh, and and be able to have the freedom to to make some moves they're gonna have to be pretty crafty and uh, and get creative to to move some some numbers around and and find find spots Uh, and I again you go back to you know what, what Hannah said, I think at the start of our conversation, teams, good teams are not bought, you know, they're, they're built from, from drafts and, and nurtured and, and development uh, teams. And, and you really got to find that. So the, the answer is obviously not one that Sharks fans are, are probably going to be happy to hear. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And um it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to, to see, you know, what kind of moves they make as they come in here, because, you know, you know, any GM that's going to come in, they're going to want to make some moves quickly uh, and, and have a, a, an immediate impact of some sort. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it unfolds, but uh, you know, hopefully they they're creative and, and they can find, uh, find some answers that, uh, you know, the sharks sharks need to get back to being that competitive playoff team. We, we want them to be every year. Gentlemen, I appreciate your time so much, and this has been great talking with you, and it'll be very interesting to see where everything's are when we regather again and what's going to be one of the most interesting summers in the history of the franchise. Uh, but I thank you again, and I'll see you soon, all right? Sounds good, Ted. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Ted. Appreciate it. Again, those were former San Jose Sharks and current color commentators on the Sharks Audio Network, Mark Smith and Scott Hannon. Be on the lookout for our other end-of-season roundtable with Dan Rusinowski and Brett Hedekin, which is also available under the Sharks Hockey Digest podcast, as well as more great content coming your way. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify, and on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app, presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.